So here we are. We're going to uh, get into God's Word. This is, this is, I love this part, honestly. I love prayer. I love music. But I love talking about God's words. And, and, and today we're going to talk about the wisdom literature, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And I'm going to focus on the book of Ecclesiastes because I, I love that book. Written by Solomon. Uh, he's at the end of his life, kind of, and he's reviewing all of his works. Uh, and he comes to the conclusion that none of it mattered. Have you ever been there? Have you looked at past, you know, look at your life and go, what's my legacy? <laughs> I don't got much there for God. And that's kind of what happened. The wisdom literature in the Old Testament is five books. You'll see some people say seven, but I believe five is right. You got Job, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. I think they included the Song of Solomon just because Solomon wrote it, uh, because you're wondering what the heck's the wisdom in that one. But we'll go through that real quick here. So, the purpose of wisdom literature is to deal with how we are to live our lives. So God uh, inspired these books to teach us what is good as a, a human, how to live and how to live together. So if we want to be in harmonious relationships with friends, family, and even God himself, uh, and we want to avoid foolish mistakes, right? We, we read the, the wisdom literature and we live by the concept of the fear of the Lord, which really is, you know, he's God, we're not, and that we should do what he says because it's what's best for us, because he created us and knows what's best for us. So let me give you a, a quick summary of each of these five books. The book of Job deals with the problem of evil and justice. And what's interesting about the book of Job is by the time you get to the end of it, and we, we learn that it's really about faith, because all Job had to do was remain faithful, we don't get a really satisfactory conclusion uh, uh, about why the righteous suffer. I mean, it leaves you just kind of going, I don't understand why the righteous suffer. Scripture says the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. And, and God will have mercy on whom he has mercy and show compassion to whom he shows compassion. So the book of Job deals with that uh, to show that God is sovereign, even if we don't understand all the answers. When you get to the Psalms, there's 150 of them. Most of them are written by David, King David. And the, I love the Psalms because David is, is pouring his heart out in this, in this poetry uh, format uh, that kind of couples this. It shows that he's upset about something or disgruntled or, or frustrated, but God is good and God is always going to take care of him. It's a, it's a great set of, of uh, poetry, pretty easy to read. Most of the Psalms are pretty short. It, it talks about why God allows Israel to suffer as its chosen nation. A lot of it has to do with the choices it's making. But even in the answer, it says God will always be there uh, no matter what. And, and, you know, God never abandons us. That's a cool thing. That's Psalms. Proverbs. I love Proverbs. Written by Solomon. He's writing to his son Rehoboam. Rehoboam's a knucklehead. He's the one that didn't listen to any of the Proverbs. And he lost the kingdom of Israel. He split it into two kingdoms, Judah and Israel. Uh, but it goes through, and, and, and Solomon's saying, this is what I've learned in my life. And these are life lessons that are really important for you to learn. To be honest with you, people say, where should I start reading in the Bible? I always say, read the Proverbs. Go to Psalms. Everyone says, you've got to read John 3.16. Yeah, you'll get there. But without reading some of the Old Testament, you really don't understand what Jesus is talking about. Those two books are so tied together. There, remember, there was no New Testament when Jesus was around. So you've got to really get into the Old Testament. And Proverbs and Psalms are a great place to go for wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes is weird. It starts out with, with you know, just, just complaining 
complaining, and it seems to, to uh, uh, contradict some other pieces of scripture. But that's not what happens. The point of Ecclesiastes is that life under the sun in this world is meaningless, and that the only thing that matters is God. And so we'll, we'll understand that as we get into that book. And lastly, Song of Solomon is an example of what uh, love should look like and, and marriage and, and those type of things. Like I said, it's a little bit of a weird book for wisdom, but uh, it really does show what intimate relationships should look like. So let's get into Ecclesiastes. You know, it starts off with this idea, uh, meaningless, meaningless, or vanity of vanities. And, and what Solomon starts his book off is saying, everything's futile. And he goes through this list, which I have for you. He says, you know, life is futile and meaningless. Nothing is new under the sun. Everything's been tried. Nothing you do. Now, as he goes through his book, he's talking about his accomplishments. He's built cities. He's had a wealth. He has, is the wisest person that's ever lived. He, he's done everything there is to do under the sun, and he's found it all meaningless. He says wrongs cannot be righted. He's a king, but he's finding that wrongs can't be righted. There's not justice in the world. He said the dead are quickly forgotten. You don't even have a legacy. He's tried everything. Everything is useless and empty. And you're like, gosh, this guy's a bummer. This guy's, this guy's a downer. He says the wicked receive what the righteous should get, and the righteous receive what the wicked deserve. Uh, the swift do not always win the race. The strong do not always win the battle. The wise don't always acquire wealth. He goes on and on and on, just uh, whining, basically. But understand the context. He's looking back on his life, and he's examining all the things that he did, and he's finding that none of it mattered. Now, imagine that. Imagine taking your life. I, you know, I'm 58 years old. And I do this often. I look back at my life, and I look at my first 40 years and go, oh, what a wasted 40 years. I did nothing for the Lord. I did nothing for the glory of God. I did nothing to push the kingdom forward. And when I meet Jesus, oh, man, when we go through my life in that first 40 years, it's going to be brutal, just brutal. And that's kind of what is going on here with, with uh, Solomon. He, he's looking back at his life and going, this is brutal. I didn't do what I should have done. There are two key phrases you see in the book of Ecclesiastes. One is vanity, all is vanity, and the other is under the sun. So let me go through those. Vanity, the Hebrew word is hebel, and it means emptiness. It's figuratively something transitory. You can't get your hands on it, right? It's unsatisfactory. In the Vines Dictionary, it's breath. You, you, can't, you can't see it, you can't touch it. Now, it's interesting, the Bible Project did a, uh, uh, a Bible Project drawing summary of Ecclesiastes, and they take a little bit different approach, but one of the things they say about Hebel, they pronounce it Hevel, and they say it means smoke, right? So it's this, it's this non-tangible thing, vanities, vanities. Under the sun, oh, it's used 38 times in there. So he's talking about vanity, how things are uh, done in vain. We, we would say that. I did that in vain. It didn't matter whatsoever. Under the sun, the word is shemesh, shemesh. And it means in this world without God. So we, as, as current Christians in our contemporary culture, we say you're in the world, but not of the world, right? The world itself is this thing, but we're not of that. We're, we're separated, we're sanctified, we're of Christ. And so we're not, we're not of the world, we're in the world. But when we talk about worldly things, we're talking about things that don't have God involved. And so was Solomon all these 5,000 years ago. He's talking about Shemesh, under the sun. And he's saying nothing, I've done everything under the sun. I've done everything in this world and nothing mattered. And Shemesh, by the way, is used 25 times. So 
Vanity of Vanities, how he opens his book. He goes through five different things that he's done in his life that he's done in vain, that didn't matter. So one was wisdom. He says there's a vanity of wisdom. So, so you know Solomon was endowed by God himself with the most wisdom. He was, you know, he was asked by God, do you want wealth or do you want wisdom? He, uh, Solomon chose wisdom and God says, good choice, I'll give you both. He becomes king, he has wealth, he has wisdom. You remember the story from the very beginning uh, of, his, of his kingship. Two women come to him and they're arguing over whose baby this is, which is weird because you would pretty much know, but apparently there's this fight. And Solomon says, let's cut the baby in half and give each of you a half. The true mother says, no, 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 give the baby to the other woman. And Solomon realizes that she's the mother because she would protect the baby. Wisdom. So he was a wise king. But if you read about his life, you find out he did everything that he wasn't supposed to do that God told him not to. And so he was wise for other people, but he never followed his own advice. He had thousand wives and concubines, 700 concubines. God told him not to do that. He said, don't marry foreigners. He did. He had chariots and horses. God told him not to rely on that kind of strength, but he did instead of relying on God. He had wealth and he would show it off. The, king, the queen of Sheba comes and he brings her into the temple and shows her all the gold. He's bragging. He's prideful. And he looks back on his life and goes, wisdom is vanity because he didn't use it for the glory of God, he used it in vain for his own purposes and he realized it was empty, it was smoke, it was breath. There was nothing to it, nothing to show for it. He had vanity of indulgence. He says, I tried everything under the sun. He, wine, whiskey, women's song, he did everything. And you know, as you read this, you're like, wow, Solomon. Especially when you get to Song of Songs, you're like, wow, Solomon. And, and uh, he, he did it, he did it all. And he says, it's, it's, it's all in vain. All the relationships, all of the indulgences, whether it was money, whether it was sex, whether it was uh, possessions, material, well, whatever it was, all in vain, he says. And remember, this is the wisest guy in the world telling us this. Vanity of living wisely. So once he gets indulging in all this you know, stuff, he was like, like the playboy of playboys. He, uh, he says, now I'm going to do that. I'm going to live wisely. And so he kind of lives this, this wise life, and he finds that's in vain because you can't correct wrongs. You, you think, he finds that life is unfair. You know, he, the, the, the wicked are receiving things that the just should get and vice versa. This is crazy. And there's, why would you do this? And so he's finding that under the sun, in this world, even if you live wisely, the stuff around you that's going on is uh, it's evil. And we're going to talk about that. This vanity of toil, he says, hey, you work and work and work under the sun, and for what? You die. <laughs> like I said, the guy's a real downer. Uh, he, does, he doesn't see the value of work, and he's like, you can work and toil under the sun, and what, do you, what for? And I, it was interesting. I saw a meme recently that talked about how you work for 40 years of your life, uh, or more, because Social Security is going up the ages, and then you have the rest of your life to live. But you'll end up working 40, 50 years, and you got like 17 to 20 years after that. There's not that balance. And that's kind of what he's talking about is where's the balance here? And lastly, the last vanity, the last thing that, that is of smoke, and you can't, you know, wealth and honor. He had it all. This guy had everything. Uh, his period of time in the world, he was the number one leader. Everyone came to him for wisdom. Everyone came to him because Solomon was known throughout the known world. And he says that didn't matter. 
You know, it didn't matter what titles, it didn't matter all the cities I built, it didn't matter the gold I had, it, it, it didn't matter. Now, can you imagine being, um, you know, middle age or higher, and you're looking back on your life and you find everything you did was smoke. Everything went up did it just had no value. And that's what he's doing here. But the key of that is under the sun, under the sun, without God. So think if you lived your life, because I've lived my life this way. Think if you lived your life all for chasing the brass ring, climbing the corporate ladder. Everything was about how the world works. But you weren't doing any of it for God. You know, scripture says, work as if you're working for the Lord. Let's say you're not doing that. Let's say you're just a normal guy. You're just, you, you know, you went to church as a kid. You got baptized. You went to college. You got out of college. You got a job, raised a family, got your two-car garage. Uh, you, you're just living life. It's all vanity, he says, because that's how he lived. The bottom line for Solomon is this. The end of the matter has all been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the entire whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. You can't hide a thing from God, whether good or evil. That's, the, that, that's his bottom line, the bottom line. Fear God, keep his commandments, that's your duty, and understand that God sees everything. So, there's a lot of scriptures that, that deal with this very issue. You know, scripture says, keep your eyes on things above. And we're not supposed to live in this worldly life. So let me share some, some scriptures from, from uh, the Gospels and other places that, that will explain really what we learn from Solomon. In Matthew 6, 19, 20, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. You know, when we get to heaven, we get crowns. When we get to heaven, our works are put to fire and the works that we did for God are jewels that we get to give to Jesus. And, and, and Matthew's telling us here, don't store up your treasures on this earth. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And, and none of it matters. Everything you own will go to somebody else. And that might be great if you have kids and grandkids and your inheritance and all that, but it's all going to go to somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Don't get tied to that. That's not, that's not our mission here. Next, James 4.4. Do, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? With God, whoever therefore wants to be friends of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, James is just you know cutting right down the middle here. You either you're either with God and doing what He wants, or you're with the world. You can't have it both ways. And that's what Solomon found out. Solomon tried to live a worldly life, and he found out that he was in enmity with God. He wasn't doing what God had told him to do. He broke all the, the rules that God put upon him when he endowed him with wisdom and wealth. And he was an enemy of God until the very end when he gets it turned around and says, I realize the only thing that matters is, uh, you know, doing what God says. 1 John 2, 15, 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. It becomes an idol in our lives. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Holy mackerel. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from this world. Man, the Scripture's pounding us here. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So this separation between God and the world, all of a sudden we're learning that the world, this world that, that Solomon was living in, this, this, this worldly life, it's of the evil one. 
Listen to this one. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. Whew! Satan's the prince of this world. You know what that means? It means every system, everything in this world is his system. It's all about performance. It's all about, you know, it's the opposite of God. God loves us unconditionally. We have to have faith through grace. We're saved. We don't have to perform. We don't have to work. We don't have to pr prove anything because we, we have nothing to prove. We're unrighteous. We, what can we do? But in Satan's world, you've got to prove yourself. You've got to work. You've got to, uh, you know, uh, you, if you want something, you've got you to, you know, get there by, by struggle and all. It's a complete opposite of God. And those that are looked highly upon in the world are those with wealth and title, and prestige, and celebrity. In God's world, what did Jesus tell us? To be last, or to be first, you got to be last. you got to serve to be a leader. It's, it's the exact opposite in, in the kingdom. But Solomon was living the life of the world. <laughs> Jesus here, they are not of the world, speaking of his disciples, just as I am not of the world. That's us! We're not of the world! Or are we? I know I was for 40 years. So here's what we got to do. We got to do a little self-reflection. What in your life has really mattered? What have you done in your life? I mean, really intentionally where you're like, I'm doing this for the Lord. This, I, I'm going to live my life for God. I am going to make sure that I honor him and glorify him in what I do. You know, I've done a lot of stuff in life. I've been a newspaper editor and a reporter. I got degrees, higher degrees. I've been, you know, an intelligence officer, political consultant. I've worked at the legislature, passed dozens and dozens of bills. Uh, I've been in the highest levels of government. I've been an, ex an executive. I've owned businesses. Uh, I teach college. Yeah, I've done a lot of things. And if it didn't honor God, which most of it didn't, it didn't matter. It was vanity. It was me working under the sun. So what about you? Where are you at? Let me show you a picture of what I think matters in my life. This is a picture of my ordination. I'd passed the ordination board, and, and they called Lisa and I up, and they laid hands on us and, and blessed our ministry as Lisa and I went forward into ministry full-time. That mattered. That mattered. Now, I'm not saying everyone's got to be called to ministry, but everyone's got to be called to ministry because everyone's got a call, right? Not everyone has to do this full-time. Not everyone has to do what I did. But you got to do what you're called to do, and that includes sharing the gospel, going on making disciples. That includes making sure that all you do, you're working as if you're working for the Lord. And all you do, you're glorifying God. And all you do, you're lifting them up and being a light and being salt. Paul put it this way. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ is my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Oh man, do I relate to this. I've given up lucrative jobs. I've given up friends. I've given up all sorts of things for the Lord because the Lord has called me to a separated, sanctified, holy life. Now, I suck at it. I'm not the best at it. I'm, I'm a work in progress. But I'm like Paul. I consider it all loss. I don't care. Because that stuff was vanity, meaningless, had, had no tangible value to the kingdom. So I ask you again, what's your self-reflection? Where are you at in your life? As you look back and do a Solomon and you say, you know, where, what have I done? Where am I? I'm sure you have some great things you've done for the Lord. But I know that there's been a lot that you go, if I had that one to do over again, I'd do that differently.
But it's not too late. This is the beauty of this. You can today, you can start today. Let's say you're like I was, like I got to 40 years old and I had done really very little for the Lord. You, you could start. I didn't get started till 40. You can do it right now. You can commit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, you can say, pray, Lord, I will go through any door you open. Make sure that you change my heart and the Holy Spirit guides me in such a way that everything I do is for you. Oh man, isn't that powerful? What is fear of the Lord? Remember, Solomon's talking about the only thing that matters is fear of the Lord. Love God, love others, serve others, be humble, obey the commandments, deny yourself, pick up your cross, store your treasures in heaven, and make disciples. That's what we do. That's who we are. The key point of Ecclesiastes is that life under the sun, life in the world, this world run by Satan, the life of this world under the sun is meaningless. That you have to remember the thing that matters is your creator, God. The thing that matters is your faith in Jesus Christ. I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of an overview of Ecclesiastes. Now go home, grab your Bible, and read it for yourself and see what God has to say to you. Amen.